planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. So, uh, John, how's your day going, all right? Really good, bro. Yeah, really good. Just, um, yeah, it's family time. I've just got back from tour with, from my other band, the adults, so um, um, it's like I've been away for a little bit. So um, it's time to get some family time in and recuperate and get ready for these she shows, which are going to be pretty physical and pretty intense. Absolutely, man, because uh, it, it's going to be your 30th anniversary, which is insane. Yes. That's unreal. It, it is insane. It is insane. I, I, I mean, personally, I, I still feel like an 18 year old in my head, dude. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Has yeah. the uh, set list shaken up for the tour? Well, I think because of the 20th anniversary of General Electric sort of coinciding with it, I think we're going to have to, like, do the General Electric. Then, then after the 30th, because of the 30th anniversary, I think we're going to have to do something from each of the records as well, like right back to the first Speed Metal EP that we released, you know, um, which was called Devolve. So we'll we'll do something from each record. Unless, of course, it's, yeah, we, we, I, I don't really want to get into, like, two-hour territory. Otherwise, I'm, I'm just going to die. Even though I'm getting a bit older, yeah, every time I get on stage with this band, it's still, like, it's still just as intense as it ever has been, like, the live performance, you know. So there was, was there something before Churned? Yeah, man. The the speed metal EP we released when we we're just we just sort of just finished high school and it's called Devolve and um, it's very like you can hear our influences basically we're just trying to be Metallica but it's um it's, it still holds up pretty good considering we sort of self funded it from the gigs we were playing around Wellington and we went into a local stu- like a local studio and and we didn't have a record company we just like um, we were just like we've got to do this so. We did three of our own songs, and we did a Black Sabbath cover of The Wizard that made it like a thrash metal version. And, um, and uh, yeah, and, and it's got a song called It on it, which is like in New Zealand. That's like a, that's like a classic, a classic sort of metal song from sort of New Zealand sort of rock history. Um, and I, I, it was like, because I wrote it when I was about 17 years old uh, and hadn't had any life experience, I just wrote it about Stephen King's It. So, <laughs> so this was the book that I was reading at the time. So, which is perfect fodder for like a thrash metal song, anyway. And I think um, it's just got some pretty cool riffs in it. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we'll we'll probably play that song. It's pretty awesome. Where can I get my hands on this? Because I've been a She Hat fan for like uh, just a little over twenty years, and I've never heard of this. I'm I'm a bit of yeah, right. Um, I'm not. Sure. I don't think it's on Spotify because we, we like the thing is we signed. We sold it to um, a, um, a little label that's now to find called Pagan Records, mm-hmm. and um, but it did. I mean, like we got into New Zealand chart like number twenty six or something like that, which is pretty cool for an independent. And um, you can find it online, like as far as like hard copies. I think like they go for pretty they're pretty expensive now though. But um, but it was on vinyl, it was on CD, it was wow. on tape. So um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but best of luck. It's not on Spotify. Though. I, <laughs> I haven't seen it on Spotify. But yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's just straight thrash metal, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to track that down for sure because I'm a, I'm a big metal dude. I love all my metal stuff. And of course, man, the lineup has been pretty much the same from the beginning, which is pretty mm-hmm. damn inspiring. What is it about those dudes that make it all work after all these years? Uh, you know what? There's there's a couple of things. A, we sort of get on and sort of complement each other, and sort of worked out quite early on that we play well together, and that that's not actually a, a, you know a, a particularly usual thing. Then you know, having a drummer as good as Tom or, you know, it's like, there was that. But then on top of that, we made a really smart decision, I think, really early on, which was everything, every money we ever made is all split four ways. So no matter if I'm doing all the writing mm. or um, someone else is doing all the artwork or, or the loading and lifting, everyone gets paid exactly the same amount in this band. And that is why you have a band 30 years later with 12 albums. I think that's the biggest reason because it's like there's no resentment. There's just like everyone's got a common mission. Everyone's out to prove a point. Everyone's, you know, like missing their family just as much as each other, but no one's sitting in first class. Everyone's doing it, doing it exactly the same. So, and I think, I mean, like, I'm not sure exactly how other bands are structured, but I do, I, I have sort of found out along the way that most of the bands that stick around for a long time do have that sort of structure, which is, you know, like, it's, it's weird talking about finance, but it's actually a really smart move because it's just means everyone's got the same amount to win or lose, you know, like, mm. um, and no one's, no one's, yeah, getting treated awesome while the bass player's sort of, you know, getting paid nothing but missing his family just as much as everybody else, you know, so it doesn't make any sense, you know. It never made any sense to us because we're, we're a pack of lefties, basically, so... <laughs> <laughs> so we like doing everything sort of quite equal, you know. Like, <laughs> pretty much. That's good advice. That is really good advice for most bands. But uh, yeah, you hear about ones that have been together for five years and they split and have a fight with a bass player and yada yada. And but hey, man, I reckon everyone should take that advice. Were you growing a gnarly beard now or goatee? I saw that the other yes. day. Yes, yes, I have. Um, and it's actually from my son. Like my son did because I've, I've grown one before. When we went to Sudan, and because uh, I'd married a Sudanese woman, a beautiful, beautiful woman from Sudan, and uh, and uh, I grew a beard then. My son said to me the other day, grow, grow your beard again. And I was like, why? And he just went, because you look better. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, it was like straight out of the mouth of the babes, you know. Like, so I went, yeah, okay, cool. I, I think I'll give that a go. And, and all of a sudden, it's like I've grown one, and it's like I've got all these grazes. And I actually quite like it. It's like, oh, right. Yeah, man. I'm down with that. I'm down with my bad old self. Feeling good. How far are you going to go with it? Are you going to go doom metal wizard beard or just uh, tidy? Or even the ZZ top? <laughs> um, I, you know, like, you know, on certain days I, I do sort of go, I wonder what it would be like to have one of those big doom metal ones that goes down to the... But then, yeah... I don't want to look like an ass, so... <laughs> nah, look, it'd, be, it'd look gnarly. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I'll give it a blast. Yeah, why not? It's an, it'll be a new look. It'll be a new look. Yeah, yeah man. Some post-apocalyptic uh, new she-had look with this big gnarly beard. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, bro. 
Well, uh, of course, I mean, when you guys decide to move to Australia, um, yeah. was that was that a hard decision for for all of you guys to just pack up and 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 do that? Because I've got mates that have moved as a band over Canada and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I guess as together, you've done it like a, a family sort of thing. But was that we hard? Um, no, because we did it together. Mm. So that was sort of made it made it much more bearable um, because you yeah you know, you're sort of all you're on the same mess, you know. Like and we and, and we were there to work. And um, that meant, you know, we didn't really have time to be sort of missing home or too much, you know. And, I mean, we, we had a choice, you know, like what we, it was like we signed with Warner Music mm. Australia and part of the deal was you guys had to make a commitment to this, uh, this territory and we were like, well, we toured with the Mark Kane around Australia while we're on festival and um, on the tune album and uh, we had a good look at sort of you know, all the different cities and we, you know, and we always loved Melbourne because it was, you know what, it reminded us of New Zealand. Mm. Um, lots of people wearing black, coffee's good, food's good, bunch of arty party motherfuckers and, and, and um, <laughs> that's sort of what we've grown up with, you know, like, and it's just, on, it's just on a bigger scale with the population of New Zealand in it, you know, like, so when they said that, we were just like, yeah, sweet, Melbourne's done. And then, um, yeah, found a place. Moved over, uh, when we moved, we found a sort of, we actually moved to quite a richy, rich area, um, called Brighton, and, um, <laughs> but, but we found that, you know, this rundown 70s pornhouse, it looked like something out of Boogie Nights movie, it was fantastic. <laughs> and it fit us all, and nobody else, no richy, rich people wanted to live there, so it was perfect, you know, so, um, and it was, you know, the sort of place that had a, you know, sparkle that hadn't been working for like, Ten years, but you have a real estate agent like, oh, you'll be able to fix it up. And you, you make a call, and it's like you yeah, will never work again. Um, but the idea was <laughs> cool, you know. But I remember like we did big outs there. We had after parties there. It was fantastic. It was a great place. Um, and um, pretty much wrote or finished writing a lot of the General Electric in that in that place. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. That's awesome, man. Uh, you know, as a young metal dude in 1996, uh, Killjoy had, man, it had such a massive impact on me when I discovered it. and It, it just changed the way I looked at songwriting. What yeah, were you right. guys listening to at the time that influenced the writing of that album? It was, I mean, because it was heavy, but it still had all these melodic influences and those big choruses. So basically, we were listening to a lot of um, uh, shoegazy music from England. And um, so, like... So things like My Bloody Valentine Loveless, um, which is actually a wall of guitar, but a wall of melodic guitar. No guitar solos, because, and vocals that you can't really understand what they're saying, but they had these melodies that sort of made you sort of pull from your heartstrings. So that mm. was thrown in there. At the same time, we were listening to beats, we were listening to things like um, Beastie Boys Check Your Head, which we thought was the best album of that, that sort of period, just because the, this hip-hop, you know, this Jewish package of New Yorkers who shouldn't really be a hip-hop act basically had rediscovered the fact that they were originally a punk band, you know, got back on the drums and bass and stuff and just started rocking out and made this incredible record. And we just loved the sound of that and loved the attitude of that. On top of that, we're probably going through all the Beatles records, going, oh, let me pan the whole drum kit to one side. Uh, let's do that. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just, it was just, and there was also a lot of New Zealand music, which, you know, probably a lot of people in Australia have never heard of, but a lot of the flying nuns of alternative stuff that mm. we would just get, you know, like, 
you know, getting introduced to, I mean, it's more, the more harder edge stuff like Bow of Space with Gordons or Headless Chickens or, you know, Straight Ticket Fits or the Skeptics, like, more experimental. They weren't the jangly sort of poppy stuff. It was more the darker independent stuff, which was, you know, sort of, you know, whose influences were things like Wire and Frog and all the sort of industrial stuff. So we're listening to things like Big Black songs about fucking Steve Albini's band. So there was just, I just thought it was a really colourful and exciting time for music in general around that time. And because, you know, I'd, you know, I'd moved straight from being in a, in, at high school to working at my favourite record store, I was a total music nerd as well. And I thought, mm. um, so I was just consuming everything, everything, everything. So everything was getting thrown into that melting pot. You know, we still wanted to make an album that was hard, but it wasn't, we wanted it heavy, but we didn't want heavy metal. We wanted to ditch the, the guitar solos. We wanted a, a wall of music, like a wall of guitar. I, was, I remember doing like my eighth guitar overdub on Get Up, you know, and going, oh, I'm in heaven, basically, when we're recording that. You know, just going, this is fucking monumental. And just, just experimenting and having fun with the studio, using the studio as an instrument. Yeah, I mean, we were 26, man. So 26 is like a really good time to be making records. If I, mm. um, if I think, you know, it's just like you've just sort of slipped over into being a man rather than a boy pretending to be a man, you know, like, and you're going, well, I'm now going to show the fucking world what I think rock's supposed to be, you know, and that sort of, that was the attitude we went into, whether that sounds a bit arrogant, but that's sort of the arrogance of youth, you know, so, um, but that also gives you a really fucking good record, you know, because you're, you're, you're totally your self-belief is huge and you're fucking just going for it, you know, and it's just like, get out of my fucking way, this is how it is, you know. And I'm really glad that, that it, you know, it's cool to hear that, you know, that was a, you know, a good record for you because it's, it's, it's a pretty important record for us as well on our journey, you know. Oh, it's it changed everything for me. Um, <laughs> cool. and it's one of those albums that I discovered myself. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. I've heard Dead's Night Out uh, yep. And then I went from there, and it just it just opened doors. It was that and uh, Filter Short Bus taught oh, cool, me a cool. lot. Awesome. Those two albums taught me a hell of a lot about writing heavy stuff, stuff with teeth, but yep. melody, super important. Yep. And, and I mean, you're still doing that to this day. I mean, mm-hmm. the last album, Five 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 Eye, Five Eye. Yeah, which yeah. that album has the same kind of teeth and the same kind of melody. And so I see a lot of similarities in that mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you know you're, you're returning to that heaviness now? Basically, that that last record was actually it was a product of, of touring with you know for the meanest hits, the greatest hits record, and going and then playing things like, you know, our first EP and playing things off tune and playing things like Factory and I'm going, shit, this is this is like writing a dragon, this music. It's fantastic, you know. It's like really physical. You have to be really present with mind to pull it off properly. And, you know, we're all looking for those moments of like, you know, being in the moment, you know. And um, sometimes, you know, I think because we hadn't played it for so long, we had to really concentrate to get inside those tracks and, Mm. And there's a physicality to it that makes you go, there's nowhere else I can afford to be in my head. I've got to be here, you know, and um, to pull this shit off. And it was like a really um, eye-opening experience, like looking back at that shit. And um, that goes the same for things like Bitter and, you know, and Gimme Gimme and all those songs off um, Killjoy. And it was like, 
So, and then we toured with Black Sabbath around Australia and New Zealand, and it was like, fuck, the risk, that's right, man. That's why I wanted to be in band in the first place. And just hearing Tony Iommi just like, just, you know, smash out riff after riff after riff and go, that's right. We, we, we do this because of that. So let's make a record like that, you know, like that, that <laughs> pays, you know, homage to that, you know. And so when, when it came time, it was just like, fuck, let's just go as heavy as fucking possible. And then start, start you know, just jamming, 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 jamming. And then, try and carve some songs out of that, out of these crazy riffs and stuff. And we also tuned down to a ridiculous tuning, which is like a, you know, a E-sharp, but like octave down, like a bass tuning. Um, so the bottom two strings are the octave of D-sharp. And it's like, well, after, you know, it took a little while to work out how to play it without making it all sharp or flat because it's so loose. But then once you do learn to play it in tune, um, it just sounds like these fucking huge, huge strings from hell playing these really big riffs. <laughs> so it <laughs> things like, um, Think You So Free, Five by the Track, you know, it's just like, you know, hyped up versions of shit that we love, like Lee Zeppelin or Rage Against the Machine, but, but like lower, you know, lower and deeper. And, um, and that was a trip we were on. And it's, um, and then the melody just comes sort of naturally because I, I'm still a sucker for the melody, you know, so that sort of um, always pops up and the idea was actually to try not to be too melodic on that record, it was more about groove and the riff, respect the riff and make sure that when we played live that mm. each song had a bounce that people could fucking jump to, you know um, and uh, on top of it I was really fucking angry at the, at the direction where the world was going so, and still am and um, so yeah, Five Eyes was perfect that means it was perfect for talking about all the shit I talked about. You know, I, I saw some comments online going, oh, fuck, I like you when you weren't so political. It's like, well, I've always been a fucking political animal, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've always, I've always, I've always basically sung about you feel uncomfortable about the world I live in, you know? Um, that's pretty much it. Gimme, gimme, you again. It's like, it's all the same shit, you know? It's just, that was particularly focused with all events, you know, that record. And, um, and and it's pretty, you know, that was 2015. And if anything, the world's sort of more true to what I was thinking about then, you know, <laughs> now, you know. It's actually been a bit weird for having to get back into writing because it's like I don't want to repeat myself. But I'm actually more consumed than I was when I wrote Five Eyes, you know. So, yeah, so it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Did you ever mess around with the, uh, you know, the tuning of that album with some of the, you know, older material? You know, so you, you know, like General Electric stuff. It's not tuned that low. You know, no. no. Did you try it's and e, e to hear what it sounded like? Some of those mm. tracks. If you're playing the Rip to GE, it's like it needs to be in that tuning. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you, you write to the tuning. You know, like you write to the tuning, and it's like. Mm -hmm. I, I need a I need a standard tuning while everything is toned down um, to actually pull that shit off, you know. Like, otherwise it's not, not a thing, you know. So, um, I, you know what? I haven't even tried. So that, that's just the way I think, you know. Of course, it's also uh, ten years of Beautiful Machine this year. Oh, yeah. You're going to be adding a few of those ones. Yeah, I mean, I really like the um, I really like the title track. That's really cool. Work. Um, and I really like um, one more here the other. I thought that was quite a good pop song. You know, it's like good like good momentum. Good sugar rush, you know. So yeah, I should imagine so. Yeah, but there's also 
There's a kick-ass truck that's on. That one, I can't remember. <laughs> somebody, somebody shows you how many albums we've made now. But, uh, <laughs> what? I reckon those two definitely. We play them both on the same night, but I wouldn't mind practicing up just to, just to be able to throw them in. That'd be awesome, because uh, I know uh, you probably know Chippy. Everyone knows Chippy up this way. Chippy, yeah. Chippy, Chippy. Chippy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he was asking the other day. He's like, I think he was asking Tom. He's like, oh, are you going to throw any of those songs in? Because so, I think he loves it. So, uh, yeah. So, that'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be Tom cool. Tom would probably go, nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we only want to play here. You're also going to be uh, playing the Hotter Than Hell tour with Spiderbait, Magic Dirt, 28 Days mm. of Heidi. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like a big day out sort of reunion of sorts. Sort of is, isn't it? We just well, need I'm a good Yeah. So, no, I know Jibadai did it last. No, Jibadai doing it? No, no. Um, uh, Spiderbait. And who else? Uh, I think it was Area 7 was another one. Some bands are playing at certain venues in states and right. doing the other ones. But, uh, I mean, for me, I mean, that's, as I said before, I mean, that right bang smack in the middle of when I was a young lad. Yes, really. You know, watching all you dudes up there at Big Day Out and you don't get money. It's just like, I, I think it's going to be a good thing, man. You I know? reckon it's going to be great. No, no, I'll be totally into it. And um, um, we did sort of one a similar thing to one-off with it was us, Jebediah and, and Super Jesus oh and um, but um, not 28 days and um, and it was like just a, it was just a one-off show and it was it was fucking great it was like everyone like sort of went oh shit it'd be good because <laughs> they're here or we'd better be good because they're here you know it's like that's good good bit of competition I'm down with it do you still mates with all those bands? I don't know. I mean, I mean, when I saw the guys from Jebediah, it was awesome to see them. I hadn't seen them for ages, but it was sort of like, no, oh, he felt pretty, well, pretty much straight away. And um, some of the Super Jesus crew, great to see them. Yeah, I mean, everyone's still, I mean, when we, when we see each other, we'll be good, you know? I can't wait to see Adelita, it'd be choice. Oh, yeah, man. I haven't seen Magic Dirt in years, so I'm, I'm hanging to see them again, of course. Yeah, be choice, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, what's uh, what's next for uh, Shehad? You got something uh, cooking oh, up for next year? Yeah, man. Uh, like, yeah, I've got I've got like hours of music, like of, of jams that we've done over the last year and a half. That I'd like I was saying, it's like such. It's really heavy, <laughs> uh, and it's right for what's happening. But I don't want to repeat myself. So, so I'm just trying to come at it with a different angle. And just trying to work out exactly how I feel about how shit's going on, and then I'm going to blast out a whole bunch of music, and then we're going to make a new record. I'm yeah, so keen. It'll be heavy though. It'll be heavy. <laughs> At the moment, the stuff I've heard makes Bye Bye sound a bit poppy. Yeah. Wow, man. I, I can't. See, it's funny, man, because I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm getting heavier. My musical tastes mm-hmm. are personally getting heavier the older I get. Like I'm listening awesome. like death metal stuff now compared to what I did years ago. <laughs> yeah, the weird thing. Um, I, I don't know. Everyone's on their own journey. Like, I mean, I, I'm 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 all over the place. I mean, because I got married to someone in Sudan and met all these musicians over there. I was like, I've been just like listening to fucking drums and rhythm, you know. So, which is sort of good because it sort of you can do whatever you want with that sort of tribal stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place. Like doing heaps of like oh, things like listening to heaps of Bowie and all sorts of shit. Um, what else are I listening? New stuff. Well, this is a lot of hip hop, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
but not not the not the frivolous shit. The good shit like Kendrick and stuff, you know, like where he's actually saying something. I, I like that, you know, it's like good modern poetry, you know. So um, yes, I need, yeah, yeah. as a lyricist, I sort of need that shit, you know, like I need to hear other human beings sort of take the system apart when it needs to be taken apart. So I need that, you know. Um, so yeah, but metal, uh, no, I, I don't listen to a lot of guitar music because I sort of spend my whole life inside it. It's a little bit like going to the office on the weekend for me. Yeah, I like to listen to music uh, where I don't understand how the fuck he's made it, you know, because it, then it reminds me of what it was like to listen to my parents' um, Beatles Hard Day's Night record when I was two years old and go, oh, my God, this is fucking magic. What's going on here? Which is the whole reason why I've actually spent my whole life, you know, trying to work out how songs are and being in a band and shit like that because I didn't have a clue what was going on. It just sounded like magic, you know, like, and so that's what I tend to gravitate to when I'm listening to music, shit that I don't understand. Because I know how a lot of rock music's made, you know. Because I, I sort of, I've done a masters in it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've done, I've made twelve albums of this shit, and it's like I not say I don't like it. I fucking love playing my guitar, love it. I fucking love writing riffs that go boogums. And uh, but when it comes time for me as a music fan, I need to hear shit that I don't understand to keep me engaged in my art form, you know. So whether that's fucking you know, Aphex Twin going fucking off on a weird electronic tangent or or Kendrick sort of fucking singing about his experience as a black man growing up in America or whatever, you know, or Jazz or Miles Davis or John Coltrane or fucking Bob Dylan or whatever the fuck. I just need to hear shit that is genius, that I don't understand, that I can just pretend I'm that little kid listening to my, um, Beatles, my parents' Beatles record for the first time, you know? So is that where the adults come in? The adults, the adult, that adults record is the album that I would have bought. That's the, that's the <laughs> album. That's the album made for John Johnny Sugar. That's that that Hutcher record is like, it's it's everything that I love rolled into one. So it's actually fucking tribalism. It's fucking uh, LCD sound system, which is the ultimate forty-seven-year-old uh, musician music. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> It's dance music, but it's made by real musicians on stage at the same time. It's electronic. It's fucking rock. It's, the bass is too loud. So it reminds me of all my old sort of post-punk records like Pearl and fucking, uh, you know, Big Audio Dynamite and The Clash. It's all that shit rolled into one. So that's the, that's the record I'd listen to, you know, like a new, a new band. That's what I'd be, that's the, that's what I'm making, you know. So when I made the Hudger album, it's like, yeah, it's like MIA, it's like fucking it's modern punk, is that you know? So I guess are you going into so next up you obviously go into she had mode, is that right? Yeah. Or are you gonna be balancing yeah. both? No 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 no. I I, I I tend to like compartmentalise. I can't really I can't concentrate I, I like to yeah, I like to concentrate on one thing at a time. I'm a mm-hmm. guy. So so um <laughs> well, I've got that thing where it's like I'm good at doing one thing at a time. I'll do it really well, but if I'm doing too many things, I just can't. I, I'm, I just, I just can't do it, you know. So, um, so now that the adult sort of, you know, shows are out of the way, uh, now it's time to get into shoot hard mode, you know. So, um, and and when I get into shoot hard mode, I'll be in shoot hard mode completely, you know. And if there's a, you know, adults, you know, tour down the track, then I'll get back into that. But at the moment, my head's just switching from adults back into shoot hard right now. Awesome, man. And getting into angry mode. Angry mode. Well, yeah, it's like physicality mode. You know, it's like, it's um, it's a different sort of, yeah, it's a different beast, you know. Mm. So, 
um, you're still making big sound with, you know, with the adults, but it's just big in the bottom end rather than the, the those midi range guitars. You know, it's like a different thing. Um, and beats, you know, but this is more like yeah, guitars. And guitar world is something I'm still really passionate. I mean, my playing is still something I'm really passionate about. So I'm really looking forward to that because I've been playing bass for the last sort of six months with adults, which I love as well. In fact, that's that's probably my favourite instrument at the moment, just because you only have to fucking play one string at a time, and it's awesome. (laughs) 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 And you still sound awesome, you know? Uh, Yeah. Play a whole riff on one string, you know? It's fucking cool. It's the unsung hero of music, you know? It's, It's like, it's the fucking beat, and it's the music, it's everything in one. And it's like, you only have to play one string at one time, and it's like, sweet! What a good job. Right. Yeah, they got it easy. Well, most but now I've got to go back to guitars. You now I've got to go back to guitars, which is cool because that's like that's like another different mental and physical exercise, which I also enjoy doing as well. You know, which also forces anything that forces me into being in the present moment and being right there, right now. It's like fuck yeah, that's what I'm into. You know, totally. Yeah, that's that's so good, man. Well, thanks for uh, being on the show, man. I really appreciate you taking the time, dude. And uh, of course, the tour kicks off sixteenth <laughs> of November, the Rosemount Hotel in Perth, and making its way uh, from there. I can't wait to see you on twenty third November at the Trifford, man. That's going to be unreal. I love the Trifford. <laughs> Me too. Um, oh, dude, awesome, and the sound on stage is sick. I love that. It's not huge. It's like yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's actually a really huge sounding video. It's great. Love it. Yeah, Pete, thanks again, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Awesome. Looking forward to it, bro. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. 